you don't want to be a victim, right? Like, and I think that that's that was the biggest driving factor for me from like when I was young to like how I am now, right? Like, there there are a lot of people that would be put in situations where you just you can become the victim of the situation or you can accept it and say like I'm not going to be the victim I'm going to go on the offense and I'm actually going to make something of myself regardless of the situation it was almost like I had taken everything that had happened and like kind of pushed it into this anger slash grind that like I'm going to prove it to the world from Gani Media it's Veer is a Liar, a show about rising and established professionals and entrepreneurs. All the fears they face related to risk, self-doubt, failure, unknowns, and much more. We take a deep dive into what didn't work and how they dealt with it. I'm Ron Gani, and on today's show, we hear how one 12-year-old, that's right, 12-year-old, turned a harsh family situation into motivation to become an entrepreneur online in middle school and a podcast host in college. For most teenagers, a typical day after school might include finishing up homework, binging on YouTube videos, or mastering a difficult video game. But for a waste, the unthinkable happened. His father abandoned his family, leaving him, his mother, and two siblings to deal with the wreckage. Unwilling to let his older brother shoulder the burden, always went to work in an unexpected way. And it wasn't mowing lawns or selling candy door to door. At such a young age, his options were limited. He couldn't even legally work at the local fast food restaurant or supermarket. But he saw potential in something that didn't restrict him, and he became determined to harness its power. The internet. Today, Oasis is the founder of Mysterious Media and the host of the Crushing It podcast at the University of Texas at Austin. His story might be the very definition of working smarter, not harder. In this episode, we'll explore how Oasis found success in the midst of family loss, judgment, fear, and vulnerabilities. When I was like 12 years old, um, my father like abandoned my family and coming from like a brown household, like I would say like a Daisy household, uh, it's very like not typical and like, you know, it's very looked down upon when like something like that happens because, you know, divorces and stuff like it's very uncommon for people to be to come out and like actually be open about that stuff. Right. So it was just my mom and she's a stay at home mom. So she doesn't necessarily make any income at that time. Right. And so it was just me, my brother and my older sister. My older sister was 18. She was working her way through college and trying to like, you know, make money and paying for that. Uh, And then just left me and my brother. And my brother was, I think, 15 and I was 12. Right. So you were the youngest? Yeah, so I was the youngest. You have to be 16 to actually get a job in here, right? So if me and my brother are 15, like under under that age, right? So there's not really a place that will allow us to make any money. So the only other place that doesn't discriminate in terms of age is the internet. And so that's where we turned to. My brother took on majority of the load, like almost all of it, right? Because he's like, he was he became like kind of like the head of the household because he's like the oldest like brother. At 15. And, yeah, exactly. And so he he took out like a $40,000 loan and like, you know, bought like this e-commerce website, flipped it and did all of this work all in high school. Like it was crazy. 
right? So you were following his lead. Yeah, and so I was looking at him like, oh my God, like he's taking on all this, like like the entire burden for the family. Like I'm not gonna sit here and not contribute anything, right? Gotcha. And so then that, like looking at him do all that stuff, I was like, you know what? The most I can do is like, make sure that I'm doing something on the side as well and provide some sort of value to the family or at least just take care of myself. You know what I mean? So like my family didn't like anytime I brought that up, they always wanted to like keep me away from like everything because I was the youngest. So they were like, you know, none of this is happening. Like, you know, everything is good. And I was like, you know, I might be 12, but I'm not an idiot. So gotcha. uh, that's like when I, you know, like ventured off into Instagram marketing. I figured out, you know, this is like, a, you know, this is something that's popping. I literally went to Google and I typed in um, how to make money, you know, whatever year it was then. And I found like a bunch of like blogs and like, you know, there'd be like 10 ways to make money. And it was like, oh, create meme pages on Instagram or something like, of that sort, right? And then you keep researching it more and more, you dig into it and it's like, oh, this is like a thing, right? Like there's this whole community on Telegram that like does this for a living, right? And that's kind of like how I got into that space and, you know, eventually grew through it. Okay, so your your brother must have been doing some stuff on the internet with e-commerce at the time that this happened with your father leaving. I imagine it didn't just happen overnight. Right? Oh no! Well, he did it right. Like he had to do it after my father left. He ah. didn't. He wasn't doing something like he was like doing the typical stuff, like you know, like jailbreaking iPhones and like uh, like hacking into Xboxes and stuff, and doing that like small stuff on the side that would be considered like entrepreneurial, but not something like a forty thousand dollar loan. So you guys got this like hyper boost of survival mode, mm -hmm. basically, as two of the sons in the family. And you guys basically didn't make a plan. You just kind of went for it on the internet. In terms of where all of our chips were, it was in my brother's, like, you know, like, like we're going all in on him and, like, you know, all the pressure was on him. So my job, like, what I looked at it as was, like, you know, how can I reduce his pressure as much as possible? Mm -hmm. So that's why, like, I did what I did. So tell me about, like what kind of conversations you and your brother were having? Obviously, this thing didn't; these things didn't take off overnight. Yeah, it was challenging. You guys didn't have connections. You didn't have funding. Yeah, like so. Tell me about some of those moments that you recall as initially and as as it started progressing. Okay, that were really challenging. Yeah, so I would say like my brother and I like were completely separate in terms of it. it wasn't like oh yeah, let's collaborate and like build this empire overnight. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. like that at all. It was more of my brother like taking on all the stress and my mom and like all the old elders in the family talking. Like I do recall like one time, um, I was like, I, I would always sit in my room whenever they were having conversations. Like, so we had like a two story house. And so it was like, I would be upstairs and I could hear everything, right? So I'd always come outside and I would like listen to what was like going on. Just cause I knew if I, if I showed my face, like they'd be like, oh no, like we're not talking about anything, blah, blah, blah. And so I just wanted to like see what was going on. And then when I would go back in my room and I'd realize like how urgent the situation is, I would think to myself, like what can I do right like how can I make this a thing right and being 12 years old like I I I stopped discriminating in terms of age after I saw what my brother did right and I realized like just because I'm 12 doesn't mean that you know like I can't do anything and so that's like when I took it very seriously and I started building out these Instagram pages and you know getting them to like huge follower accounts and like selling them off for profit and I didn't even think that it was a I really just thought it was something everyone could do because, you know, at that age, you don't think it's like something special because it's like every market exists. Like you go to a car shop and like someone's repairing your car, right? Like similarly, I thought, oh, like there are Instagram pages and people advertise on them. It's a thing. So I never took my own skill seriously until businesses started like approaching me and they were like, oh, like do this for us. 
So was that like just word of mouth, like local folks just saying, hey, he's doing this stuff online. I know him. He can help you build some sort of uh, increasing customer base, et cetera. Yeah. So actually, this is what happened. Uh, like at 12 years old, I started doing that stuff, right? And I was just selling these pages off and I was selling shout outs on my pages. And I was like, OK, I'm making a decent income. This is good. Life is good, right? How much are we talking? Uh, like probably like two grand a month. A month? Yeah. At the age of 12. Well, okay. Like it was progressing. <laughs> like, okay. okay yeah, we yeah, started okay. off a little less okay, than third, that. Sorry. 13 or 14. Yeah. So I would say peak was like two grand a month. And I was just like, holy wow. shit. Wow. This is like amazing. Right. And I mean, it was still like, you know, I was, I was like, definitely like my family was finding ways to pay for stuff, but like, you know, stuff like summer classes, dual credit classes, they would come out to be like 600, 700 bucks. Um, just cause I was taking a bunch to prevent myself from taking it in college. So stuff like that, I'd be able to like, you know, like have money and i'd be like okay i can do this myself right like i don't want to i don't want to add to the burden like of the family no one no one viewed me as like a burden or anything like that but i viewed myself i was like you know what i need to take care of myself and so that's like you know it, it was two grand a month and then that's when like yeah word of mouth traveled and everyone was like oh like you know like he can help you with this he can help you with that and i was like you know it was a bunch of brown family family friends and um, the thing I don't like about that is that everyone wants free advice and like free help and stuff like that. And once you're like, I think it was at like 16, I was like basically spending more time helping those people out instead of like actually focusing on my AP classes. And I was just like, you know what? I need to find a way to get paid for my advice and I need to find a way to boost my credibility to work with like actual big companies, right? Like no offense to like the local businesses, but I was like, I need to step it up a little bit. Let's take a short break. When we return, Oase grapples with a lack of credibility to charge enough for his work. He decides to flip the difficulty and dedicate about 300 days to write a book on social media marketing. But does a teenage kid have anything to say that business owners will want to read? He shares some of the struggles along the way and what happens after it launches. Stay with us. I'm Ronnie Gowney, and you're listening to Fear is a Liar. Gany Media. And that's when I like took out like 308 days, completely like went straight for and I was like, I'm going to write and self-publish this book, giving away all my advice so that people know, like I know people are lazy, right? They'll read the whole book and they still won't do anything. And so I wrote this book and I was like, okay, now people will know. A, that I know what I'm doing, and B, if they want advice, I'm going redirect to them, redirect them to this book, and they're going to buy it, and I'll get paid. Okay, so let's step back real quick. We, we fast-forwarded on, on a real major point there. So, A, you had to, you kept helping these folks while you were in school, yeah. and you weren't really making money. You're dealing with the burden of trying to make all these local business owners happy through word of mouth, through friends and family and your network, helping them build, build customer base by using the internet. You're trying to handle your AP classes at the same time. And you're like, obviously, this is not all going to work, right? Yeah. So you go cold turkey on on the folks for the free work. Yeah. Is is there any something? Was there a day? Was there a moment? Was there just a lead up? And then you just turned off your phone? Like, how how did that happen? And then tell me about the the thoughts of the book because you mentioned it, but um, you don't give a lot of context of what it was and 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 how it came about. I didn't completely go offline in that sense, but like, if they were like messaging me and stuff, I wouldn't give them like the huge paragraphs I was writing for them initially. Like I would, I, I don't know if Gary V was around back then, but I know that I was watching a bunch of people and it was like, you know, like lead generation and like keeping a, a email list and all of those things, right? And so it was like, okay, well, if they're interested in my advice, they'll be interested in my book. So you keep them on the hook. 
and I know that sounds bad now, but <laughs> I was a kid then, and I was like, you know what? Like, if you guys think that I'm like, I feel like a lot of the like our community um, is just. It's like if you see a kid that's doing something, it's like automatically like free, like you know, free advice, free work, free whatever. And I just found that really like I despise that because it's like you shouldn't be taking advantage of someone. So I thought it was like okay for me to just keep them on the hook and have them have their emails and be like, okay, like I'm gonna be releasing this book when it comes out. I'll send you an email, and I think it's the perfect way that we can get like I can convey everything I know to you. So the book was basically providing advice on how to grow your business through social media and online platforms at a time where it was still just kind of up and coming. Yeah. And you were still about 14, 15 at the time. Yeah. But you found that this would be holistically, this would make a lot more sense for your time. Yeah. And to just provide it to them. Exactly. So yeah. it was Instagram, like I can go, go into a little bit of the details. It's like Instagram, uh, Snapchat and YouTube, like basically how to create profiles on there, like properly um, grow them and then like monetize them. Cause those were the three main categories everyone was looking for. I specialized in Instagram, but I like did enough research in YouTube and Snapchat where I could add a little bit of a, a value um, to the book for that. So I bundled all those three things together. And then like, you know, once I actually released the book, it kind of went viral. And that's like where everything started. Gotcha. So tell me what a 15 year old with that family situation and taking AP classes in school and having obviously a lot of other stresses going on through family members, I'm imagining. Yeah. Put together a book and release it all of a sudden. Like, how did that happen? You know? I honestly look back at those moments and it was, it was like, you don't want to be a victim, right? Like, and I think that that's, that was the biggest driving factor for me from like when I was young to like how I am now, right? Like there, there are a lot of people that would be put in situations where you just you can become the victim of the situation or you can accept it and say like i'm not going to be the victim i'm going to go on the offense and i'm actually going to make something of myself regardless of the situation i wrote for like two months straight and i was very like on task i was like doing everything great and then i took like a break for like i don't know how many months right like i didn't do anything i didn't write the book for a single day and that's terrible but like the whole time i was just it was sitting in the back of my mind and i was kind of like pushing it away because it's very difficult to like especially at that age to like output so much things on paper Mm -hmm. Um, but i told myself that if i was able to write this book if i was able to self-publish it if i was able to make it past that point that I could do anything in my life. And that sounds so cheesy and sounds so cliche, but at that time, like, I really did turn the switch on, like, after, like, I don't know how many months, like, six months or something. And I wrote that book, and I was like, if I can overcome this, if, I, if this can go viral and I can make something of myself, nothing can stop me. And to this day, whenever I go through any, like, whether it be, like, starting a podcast, starting a company, getting a client, I always just remember that moment. I was like, if I can do that, I can do this. So, so tell me some of the fears and self-doubts that went through your mind while, while writing it and then right before launching it. Because I'm sure you had to be anxious, right? Yeah. You weren't at that confidence level yet. You were getting there. Yeah. I had kept completely silent about the book besides like local businesses I was helping, right? And I know how my community operates. Um, you know, everybody wants to know what everyone's doing. And if suddenly a kid is releasing a book and like, you know, like doing something, everyone's going to be very, I don't want to say nosy, but very interested, right? And so I had, I actually had a lot of confidence, almost arrogance, I would say. Like, I was like, you know, this, like, everyone's going to see, like, what I'm going to do, right? Like, it was kind of that. Like, it was, it was almost like I had taken everything that had happened and, like, kind of pushed it into this anger slash grind that like I'm gonna prove it to the world of course that has I've realized how bad that is now but at that time it pushed me through everything nice so so what sorts of things started happening like you started getting messages calls so I actually took this I took a very like like a very 
basic strategy, right? I literally just messaged everyone I knew and I said, share this post, please. Like if you do anything, share this post, right? I got over like, I think 174 people to like share it on Facebook. So it got like over like 10,000, 20,000 views. People in Canada were seeing it. And I was just like, I was getting a bunch of emails and I was like, okay, so this worked, right? And the whole point of the book was that when some business owner came to me, it's like, okay, you're a 16 year old kid. What can you do? I was like, look, I've self-published this book over like 20,000 people have seen it. This is my credibility. This is all the stuff I've done. I know what I'm doing. That was the whole point of the book. And it just kind of spiraled out and like, you know, it became this thing. So I was like, you know what, I'll ride with it. Gotcha. So what was next? And then after that, like, you know, naturally I, I was doing business through one of my pages, Mysterious Motivator is a motivation page. Mm. And I was just like, that was my primary account to just do business transactions through. Later on, I realized it's very illegal. And so, you know, I had to actually create an LLC. And I was like, okay, I can make this into an agency, an Instagram marketing agency, because that sounds a little bit more professional. Sure. And so I did that and it was called Mysterious Media. And, you know, like till this day, like I'm still like working with like clients and stuff that like go through that agency. So it was a, it was through that book, self-publishing it, that gave me the credibility to start the agency. We're gonna take a breather, but in just a moment, we'll hear how Oasis built a social media company from the ground up, but his heart is somewhere else. He's inspired to start a podcast and launches it while attending college with no experience and no idea how to begin. His advice on handling negative criticism and judgments might surprise you. All that and more when we return. Stay with us. I'm Ronnie Gani, and you're listening to Fear is a Liar from Gani Media. I will say um, the company and all of the social media work, like I'm, I'm, I'm very good at it, I'd say, like not in an arrogant way. I'm very good at it, but it's not something I love. It was something I had to do for survival. So you're a full-time, at this point, you're a, you're a full-time college student, you're an author, an entrepreneur, and on top of that, at some point during your time at UT, you decide to launch a podcast Yeah, called Crushing It. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little about how that came together. What were the challenges? What were the thoughts that went through your mind before launching it and actually going for it? Yeah. So I was telling my mom, like, I really want to put myself out there because I, I think I've told a few people this, like, I used to like make these Minecraft videos, right? And it didn't take too much liking with my classmates, right? And so they weren't very supportive of it, but the internet was, and I got about like 5,000 subscribers on it. And I was, I was going hard. I was going to be the next thing, right? And then all my videos got flagged and like reported it and like disliked because like the jealousy amongst the students. And so I was like, you know what? If I was able to do that, I'm pretty sure I want to put myself out there again. So I like couldn't sleep at night for like almost weeks at a time because I was thinking about launching this podcast. I was like, you know, I can put myself out there in a professional manner as well as doing something I like and make a living off of it instead of doing this stuff because social media marketing is very redundant, I'd say, after mm. a while. After going through the whole thing with Minecraft, like, like I think that that was a great part of my life, like, where I made those YouTube videos and, like, I got a bunch of, like, criticism within, like, people were, were very negative because it built my, like, it really gave me thick skin, you know? Like, now, like, when I put myself out there, like, people are like, dude, how do you do it? Like, oh, my God, like, you're not, like, like, how did you create a podcast? And I'm just like, I looked it up on Google, right? Like, right. like that's how everything works. And... I think people are so like reliant on someone's going to come here and tell me how to do it. You don't, you don't have anyone. And like, I didn't have a dad, but I had my brother and he was doing such crazy and incredible things, but I never like asked him how to do an e-commerce website. Like when I did, he would tell me like, oh, like here's this resource, here's this resource. Or sometimes you'd joke around and be like, Google it. Right. And so growing up, like it's a self 
like self-sufficient game right like you got to figure it but, out but but you know going a little bit back there uh, it's great that you went for it and uh, we're going to get into it in a few but you did have that hesitation for weeks that you couldn't sleep right yeah. so you were either anxious stressed afraid of being that guy who goes and does that yeah and that you can't lean on someone if it doesn't work yeah and if you, you screw it up basically right yeah which is what the majority of folks like whether you're a young entrepreneur or you're in your 50s and you want to go for what you feel is right in your vision but you don't go for it yeah. they don't but you did mm -hmm. so w those sleepless nights what were you thinking that prevented you from doing because it, it took a little while right yeah and then what got you over the hump now it was just like the doubts were coming in where okay how would i create a system around this like how can i get people on board how can i do this at like zero cost how can i afford this right how can i ration out some time to do this so it was all of those things and the fear of judgment right and i think a lot of people do and I think that after a while, you stop giving a shit, right? Like, you're just like, go, like, these people can go, like, do whatever they want with their lives. It has nothing to do with me, right? And the thing is, if, you, if you're if you able to actually get to that point, I still haven't, I'll admit it. I'm, like, very close to it. Like, I'll, I'll say I'm about 60%. And I think that that's a great percentage right now because I was at, like, 10 before, right? And so 60% of the time, I can, like, say, like, you know what, F those people, I'm gonna go ahead and do what I wanna do, right? And so I think it just takes a matter of understanding that those people are literally not thinking about you or like literally not even taking you into account. That's a very selfish habit actually of humans. Like we, when you're walking around and I know people with anxiety will be able to relate to this, right? Like you walk around into like a room of strangers, you think everyone's staring at you and watching you or like, you know, like college students, college freshmen going to a party and thinking that like if they dance like in a weird way, everyone's gonna be judging them. But the truth is everyone's just minding their own business. And like, you're the one that's thinking that everyone's staring at you when really no one is and no one cares. And I think that it's taken me too many years to understand that. And I just don't want to be held back and look back and be like, damn in college i could have like gone so much harder on that podcast could have been the next joe rogan and now here i am just like you know writing code in a cubicle and like you know there's nothing wrong right. with that there's nothing wrong with that but like for me that would be the ultimate like disappointment now i'm not afraid to fail in front of anyone because like i i'm open to telling people about everything i failed at like that's fine like what are you going to do about it that message resonates me more than more than most i would say just because i tell everyone before i started launching this podcast it's like I could have spent a year thinking about what people are going to think, how people are going to criticize me, what won't work, yeah. right? Or I could just go for it and iterate as I go mm -hmm. and not care about what people will think and just care about the actual content and the audience and my guests. And I, I, I got to tell you, my hump, I mean, I've opened up businesses. I, I've tried a lot of things outside of my day job, and that has helped me get there. But during this journey at that time right before the podcast there's a uh, gentleman named joe serio who write, wrote a book about overcoming fear mm -hmm. and he touched on one of the many points but one of the points you mentioned was nobody cares and you, all our lives we are really really just conditioned in so many ways but one way is that you should be afraid of what people will say and think of you and i just went for it and i was just like if it wasn't for his book at that time when I was like really trying to push over the hump, I don't know if I would have done it. Exactly. Just, and and I think there's, uh, I usually don't follow Grant Cardone and I can't remember his four, four little tips, but he said like initially you'll get attention, then you'll get criticism, then they'll hate you, and then they'll admire you, 
right and the thing is like i think like i'm not i'm not some like big shot like you know podcaster or something right now but i've experienced all of those emotions and it's like you just like the thing is people will like when you think that people are criticizing you or like they're like you know calling your content cringe or like something like that it's usually because they're afraid of like going and doing it themselves, themselves. right yes. and if you ask any of them it's like I've met a lot of people that are like oh yeah I want to like you know like TikTok is the new app right like oh I want to go make some TikToks and stuff and it's like oh but like what will all my friends say and like what will all I'm like dude this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity once you get like 100,000 followers your friends will be wanting to hang out with you like every single day of your life I think that perspective is like very very necessary because now i like look at people's lives who ideally would be way better than mine right like there are influencers and stuff like that like i i know these people personally because i've like worked in this like space and so they'll have like 50,000 75,000 100,000 followers i'll meet them in person i'll see how their lifestyle is and i'll realize they'll be like yeah they have all these followers online yeah they have this yeah they have that and then i really put myself in their shoes and i'm like but like this person is very lonely as well like that's the side people don't people don't see this guy is very lonely he doesn't know how to make friends or like he doesn't have any friends and no one's actually like he has all these people who care about him online and comment under his post but they don't necessarily like care about him in person it's like yeah. you know you have to have this kind of perspective or else your whole life you'll be chasing like someone else's like you know success and you won't actually see the other side to it Ways Raza, founder of Mysterious Media. It's not easy to start a business or pursue personal projects while going to college, but Oasis is giving UT Austin students encouragement to do exactly that and share their stories on his Crushing It podcast. And Oasis has no intention to stop in there. He plans on taking the podcast national to universities all over the country, creating a movement of students facing their fears and daring to be great. All before they achieve that college degree on paper. A quick shout out to Stephanie, Simon, and Zane who helped me produce the show. Thank you. To my daughter, Severine, and our future counties. I hope you hear this one day and it provides some value on your journey. For audience, if the show provided a positive takeaway, please subscribe and share with others in your network. Thanks for tuning into Fear is a Liar where we share how our guests embrace all the fears related to risk, self-doubt, failure, unknowns, what didn't work, and how they dealt with it. Awaste Raza and Ronnie Gowney. I'm out.